The Orioles made another trade on deadline day on Tuesday, sending Jorge Lopez over to the Minnesota Twins for four pitching prospects. I'll break down the entire trade coming up on this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast. You are Locked On Orioles, your daily Baltimore Orioles podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, Orioles fans. Today is Wednesday, August 3rd, 2022, and welcome back in to the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I'm your host, Connor Newcomb. And coming up on today's episode, we're going to take a look at another big trade pulled off by the Orioles. It was one of three trades that they made before the deadline and one of two significant ones with the Orioles shipping away players. Of course, it was Trey Mancini on Monday. On Tuesday, it was Jorge Lopez, who the Orioles sent to the Minnesota Twins for four pitching prospects. I'll take a look at how Jorge fits in in Minnesota, how the Orioles will replace him, my thoughts on the deal overall, and an early scouting look at the four prospects they got back. Then, of course, we will recap the Orioles game against the Texas Rangers on Tuesday night and also take a quick look at the other minor deal that the Orioles pulled off on Tuesday, kind of randomly acquiring outfielder Brett Phillips from the Tampa Bay Rays. But that's all coming up on this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast, which is brought to you by Blue Nile. Make your moments sparkle with jewelry from BlueNile.com. And going on now is the Blue Nile anniversary sale. Save up to 40% on classic, fine jewelry pieces and 25% on engagement ring settings. Shop stress-free and find your forever peace. Go to BlueNile.com today. And before we get started, just want to thank you for making Locked on Orioles your first podcast listen of the day. Locked on Orioles free and available on all podcast listening platforms Monday through Friday. We've got a brand new episode out there for you on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, on Stitcher, on Google Play, wherever you listen. And also here on the Locked on Orioles YouTube page, make sure to like, comment, and subscribe to the YouTube page here so I can continue to bring you Orioles content here on the pod. But again, thank you for making Locked on Orioles your first listen of the day. And for your first listen today, let's start with the Orioles' second and final big trade of trade deadline season. It comes on deadline day on Tuesday morning. The Orioles deal right-handed pitcher Jorge Lopez to the Minnesota Twins for four pitching prospects. Left-hander Cade Povich, right-hander Yenier Cano, left-hander Juan Rojas, and right-hander Juan Nunez. And, you know, with this trade for the Orioles... There's a couple of different ways to look at it. Now, first, obviously the O's send away their closer, a guy who has been great for them this season. Jorge Lopez, in 44 appearances for the Orioles this year, has a 1.68 ERA, a 1.1 Fangraphs war. In 48 and a third innings, he's allowed only 30 hits. He struck out 54 batters while walking just 17, allowing only three home runs. And he has 19 saves, 19 for 23 on the season for the Orioles. Now, that's obviously been the good. And, you know, one way to look at it is, well, why are the Orioles trading away their closer when they are in a playoff race? And that is certainly, you know, a a question to be asked for the Orioles. Now, I will say, when comparing this to the Trey Mancini deal, they do look a little different. Because, really, the big reason is relievers are volatile. And... Relievers will have a great year one year and a bad year the next year. And while I still 
don't totally agree with the Orioles trading away players and not adding big league players as well to their current roster, you know, coming into the deadline at 52 and 51, two and a half games out. I understand the Jorge Lopez deal more than I understood the Trey Mancini deal. And you can come back with, well, Lopez has two more years of control after this year. He's not a free agent until after 2024. The O's would have had a lot of control of Jorge Lopez, who seems to have certainly figured something out in his move to the bullpen this year. And the O's are going to miss him in the pen. But I think I do understand the other side of the argument a lot more here because you sometimes do want to sell high on relievers, especially ones who not only don't have a good track record before this, but frankly, Jorge Lopez has a bad track record since he got called up in 2015. Now, I get that that had all been as a starter, and he moved full-time to the bullpen this year and has been great, but you never know. And, you know, he's almost 30 years old, but it's two and a half years. It, it, it was a very tough decision. I really did think at the end of the day, especially right before the deadline here, I really kind of thought the Orioles would trade away one player and it would be Jorge Lopez just because teams are always looking for relief help. They're always willing to overpay for relievers at the trade deadline because every contender wants to shore up its bullpen at the deadline. And the Minnesota Twins certainly wanted to do that as they lead the AL Central. But as far as Jorge Lopez, the one thing you can look at is he has not been the same pitcher over the past month. Of course, his month started with the back-to-back blown saves in Minnesota. Of course, ironically enough, they are the team that ends up trading for him after hitting back-to-back walk-offs against him back in early July. But, you know, he had had a really great April, followed by no earned runs in May and no earned runs in June. Yet, here are Jorge Lopez's July stats. 11 and a third innings, a 4.76 ERA. Now, he did have 15 strikeouts, but he allowed 14 hits. He only walked three but he allowed three homers and it was a 304 batting average against Jorge Lopez in those 11 innings, a 523 FIP. And here are the two really concerning stats in that month. And maybe it's just a bad month and maybe he'll perfectly recover, but here's two concerning stats for Jorge Lopez. One of them, his ground ball rate was down to 48%. It's at 60% on the season and it's been as high as 78% in any given month. He's a ground ball pitcher. You don't want a 48% ground ball rate. And the other thing is 28.1% hard hit rate against Lopez in July, by far the highest of any month this year for Jorge Lopez. So it wasn't just, oh, he gave up a couple of homers and he blew a couple of saves. The underlying metrics and the stat cast data also looking much worse over the last 31 days. So obviously we'll be interested to see how he continues as he moves over to Minnesota. But on the flip side of things, I don't think the Jorge Lopez move in a vacuum is this horrible thing that the Orioles are doing. I mean, the Brewers just traded Josh Hader and they're leading their division. Sometimes I will concede you do have to get the most out of relievers when they're pitching their best, especially guys who are having their first good season. The Orioles, I got to give Michael Elias credit, you know, I'm not sure if they specifically cashed in on Tanner Scott and Cole Sulcer earlier this year because we don't really have, you know, what that return is going to be in terms of how good they're going to be. You know, nobody's above double A in that return yet. But Sulcer and Scott have both been worse in Miami this year than they had been with the Orioles at times. And the O's easily filled those bullpen positions and honestly got better in those bullpen spots while trading them away and getting some young talent. 
So the Orioles definitely feel confident that they can fill those spots in the bullpen. And in terms of filling that spot, you know, Brandon Hyde talked before Tuesday's game that most of the closer role is going to go to Felix Bautista, which I think is the smart move. A 166 ERA and 45 appearances, you know, just 24 hits to 56 strikeouts and 14 walks in 43 and a third innings. He already has three saves on the year when he's filled in for Lopez. And he's been the Orioles' most dominant reliever. So he's the easy choice. But Hyde did say, you know, if there's a lot of lefties, CNL Perez could get a run at closer. And Dylan Tate will kind of be the guy behind Bautista if he's pitched too much, who will get some save opportunities as well. He's had a few of those over the past two seasons anyway for the Orioles. So they can fill that position. They recalled Nick Vespi to take Lopez's spot on the roster. He's been mostly, you know, really solid for the Orioles this year. So, you know, they get him back in the bullpen, another lefty to work out of the pen. And so they don't lose an incredible amount. Now, again, I would say Bautista has been the Orioles' best reliever and Jorge Lopez has been the Orioles' second best reliever. So you lose your second best reliever. Now, in the closer spot, do you get worse? No, especially if you're replacing him with Felix Bautista. But your bullpen does get worse when you trade away Jorge Lopez. And the bullpen has been the Orioles this year, third best bullpen ERA. It's the reason why you know they're playing over 500 baseball and they're in a playoff chase. So that does take a hit. But I get trading a reliever, especially in a vacuum, at his highest value, and the O's did get four pitching prospects. Now, the issue I have with it is the combination of Lopez and Mancini. And to give the Orioles credit, they did not trade away any other players before the deadline. There were talks. I was hearing murmurs about, you know, Anthony Santander and Jordan Lyles were both being shopped around, you know, in the, in the few hours before the deadline. Orioles didn't get the return they wanted, so held on to both those players. But it has to be tough to swallow in that clubhouse. And we saw the quotes about Mancini. We saw the quotes about Lopez after those trades. When, you know, you're 52 and 51 at the deadline, you're two and a half games out of a playoff spot. And your front office is trading away your veterans and team leaders. They're trading away your closer and a top three hitter on your team, both who are veteran guys who are two of the biggest, you know, leaders on this team, two huge clubhouse guys and beloved by the team, the organization, the community. It makes you think it has to as a player. We've seen the quotes about, you know, Ryan Mackhouse saying it sucks and they're talking about how they're going to miss Lopez and miss Mancini. It has to hurt a little bit. And again, I would be talking about this differently if the Orioles had gotten back some more major league ready or close to major league ready talent, where at least Michael Elias would have said, hey, you know, maybe we are trading away Lopez and Mancini, but here's a young starting pitcher who's almost ready for the bigs that we got in return, who could really help us this year some down the stretch. Instead, they got six pitchers. One of them, Yenier Cano, who we'll talk about in a bit, has pitched a bit in the bigs. But he's even starting in AAA. So they added nobody to their major league roster besides Brett Phillips, who we're going to get to. So that's my real concern with this. And I got a lot of pushback on Twitter on Tuesday after these trades about you're not understanding the vision of the rebuild. You know, the Orioles aren't going to sacrifice the future for this year. You don't have to sacrifice the future for this year. The Orioles have done a fantastic job of drafting and developing and trading for talent. Michael Elias has done a great job there. You have a stacked farm system. You have a top three system in all of baseball right now, even with Adley Rutschman graduating from that system. So I don't think I'm off base to say you don't need to trade Trey Mancini to get more guys in your system. I just don't think you do. And instead, it's worth more to hold him for this playoff run 
and show your guys that you are still invested in making the playoffs now. And just because you hold on to guys like Mancini and potentially Lopez, although again, as I said, I totally get that trade and, and could get behind it. You don't have to go and trade away Gunnar Henderson, Jordan Westberg, and Kobe Mayo for major league talent right now, and you're certainly not trading for rentals. But you could go get a controllable guy, a controllable starting pitcher like we talked about, and the Orioles didn't do that. Now, hopefully they do it in the offseason, but they didn't do it now. But my whole point is, you can succeed in the future while also succeeding now. If the Orioles hadn't made either of these trades, if they had stood completely still at the deadline, hadn't made a move at all, I would still think they could get to the playoffs this year. And I would also still think their future is incredibly bright with the amount of minor league talent that Mike Elias and his staff have brought in. Will the guys like Seth Johnson and Chase McDermott and these four pitchers maybe help the Orioles years down the line? Yeah, they definitely could. The O's hope they will and make their pitching prospects hopefully even deeper. But at the end of the day, does that mean the Orioles, if they would have done that, are sacrificing the future? No. Their system is great. Maybe it got a little better with these trades, but is that worth giving away major league good players on a team that's trying to get into the playoffs? I'm not sure it is, and that's my whole point here. I get the Lopez trade in a vacuum. I even understand the argument of a Mancini trade in a vacuum. But when you're this close to a playoff spot in August... It's tough to make those moves and not get guys who will help you right now back in those deals. That's all I'm saying. You can have your cake and eat it too in this situation. You can fight for the playoffs, which the Orioles are still going to do with this current team. But you can keep it together this year and also still have a fantastic future. Two days ago, the Orioles still had a fantastic farm system and a fantastic future coming. If they wouldn't have traded anyone, they still would have had that fantastic future. Did it get a little better from these two trades? Maybe it did. But it still would have been fantastic. They still could have competed for a World Series in 2025 while also being better placed to compete for the playoffs this year. Getting into a wild card game and losing in the wild card round this year, yeah, it would be you know a little disappointing. You wouldn't get much time in the playoffs. That would be amazing, though, for the Orioles. To get that playoff experience with these young guys, maybe you got Westberg and Henderson and Rodriguez and Hall up for a playoff run. They get to play in a playoff series with all these guys. Wouldn't that be great for their development? I think it would. And then they'd be ready to take that next step next year and the year after that. And all your prospects would still be there. I'm not wanting the Orioles to trade away all their prospects for Carlos Rodon. But if you hold those guys, maybe you get to the postseason. Maybe you still do. But at the end of the day, Getting to the playoffs this year by keeping guys, not by trading four guys, but by keeping good players, does not ruin the future. You can have both. That's my big argument. But the O's trade away Jorge Lopez. And listen, they got four minor league pitchers in return. And coming up next, I'm going to talk about each of those guys. Get a quick scouting report on those guys before we do dive in deeper to each of those four pitchers coming up later this week on the podcast. But first, got to tell you about Blue Nile com because you know whether you're ready to pop the question or or you're just celebrating a milestone moment in someone's life go to bluenile.com you can find jewelry as unique as that special person in your life with the modern convenience of online shopping 
Now, they have simple online tools at BlueNile.com that let you choose the diamond shape, size, clarity, setting style. And the bench jewelers at BlueNile.com, they can help you find the perfect engagement ring. And they got jewelry experts on hand 24-7 to help answer any question you have. So make your moments sparkle with jewelry from BlueNile.com. And going on now is the Blue Nile anniversary sale. Save up to 40% on classic fine jewelry pieces and 25% on engagement ring settings. Plus, every order is insured, ships free, and arrives in discreet packaging that won't give away what's inside. Shop stress-free and find your forever peace. Go to BlueNile.com today. So the Orioles dealt Jorge Lopez on deadline day over to the Minnesota Twins for four pitching prospects and wanted to run through just a quick little scouting report on each of those four guys who the Orioles brought in. And the first guy they acquired, who most people think is the headliner of this package, is 22-year-old left-handed pitcher Cade Povich. Now, fan graphs in the preseason had him at number 22 on their Twins list. He's gotten better this year, and he slots in live as the Orioles' number 19 prospect via fan graphs. Now for Povich, six foot three left-hander, 22 years old, a third round pick for the Minnesota Twins out of Nebraska in 2021. And it looks like the Orioles will most likely assign him to high A Aberdeen. Now from fan graphs, the information gives him a 40 future value on the 20 to 80 scale, a mid nineties fastball where the velocity has continued to tick up and up throughout the end of last year and this year, a big mid seventies curveball that he can drop in for a strike at any time and a changeup, and especially a slider that have been developing better and better this year. He projects as, you know, a middle to the back of the rotation starter. His stats in high A this year for the Twins, 16 starts, a 4.46 ERA, but a 3.40 FIP on the year in 78 and two-thirds innings. It's 12.2 Ks per nine. It's 2.9 walks per nine. He's allowed nine home runs in that time. Just a really solid, polished, good mechanics left-hander where, you know, he came out with good stuff, but the stuff's getting better and better in the Twins system. And a lot of Twins people, very high on Povich, much higher than kind of the national prospect writers on Cade Povich. He seems to be the top-ranked guy in this deal. Now, the second guy they got back is Yenier Cano, a 28-year-old right-handed reliever who actually has appeared in the big leagues with the Twins so far this season. Now, Cano is number 38 on the Twins' Fangraphs prospect list in the preseason. He moves to number 46 on the Fangraphs list for the Orioles after the trade. Again, 6'4", 28 years old, kind of throws from not quite sidearm, but somewhere in between sidearm and a three-quarter delivery. It's definitely a funky delivery for Cano, who is signed internationally by the Minnesota Twins out of Cuba back in 2019. He had pitched professionally in Cuba for a while before the Twins signed him, and the Orioles are going to assign him to AAA Norfolk, but he will be on the 40-man roster because he was on the Twins' 40-man roster. Now, in his time in the big leagues this year, it hasn't gone great. Made his big league debut earlier this year in May for the Twins. And in 10 major league appearances for Minnesota this year, a 9.22 ERA. In 13 and two-thirds innings, he's allowed 14 runs on 17 hits. The 14 strikeouts is good. The 11 walks and three home runs, not good for Yenier Cano. But the interesting part is he hasn't really been a guy who struggled with command in his career. Even in AAA this year, his AAA numbers for Minnesota with the St. Paul Saints, 20 appearances, 
a 1.90 ERA in AAA. In 23 and two-thirds innings, only 16 hits, 25 strikeouts to only six walks at the AAA level. So maybe a little bit of nerves in his first few big league appearances walking too many batters. But he definitely has good stuff. It's a mid-90s sinker uh, that has gotten hit around at the big leagues this year. It's a pitch that, according to Fangraphs, just does not miss bats. So it's more of a ground ball pitch. But he adds in a slider at 88, which has a big whiff rate, 38% whiff rate, Throws the sinker about 40% of the time, slider about 30% of the time. And then the other 30% of the time, he drops in a changeup that sits about 90 miles an hour. It's mostly a split changeup, according to fan graphs. And it did have a 200 batting average against at the big leagues this year. So Cano's going to go to AAA, but I will say I'm almost certain you'll see him pitch out of the Orioles bullpen in the big leagues at some point this year because he's already 28. He's got big league experience. He's got good stuff, a deceptive delivery. Just got to hone in that command and could be a bullpen piece moving forward. Then the two other guys the O's got basically kind of lottery tickets, two pitchers out of the Florida Complex League. Now, the first one, really intriguing stats. The first one is the left-hander Juan Rojas, a six-foot-tall, 18-year-old left-hander who was an international signing out of Venezuela for the Twins. Now, he pitched in the Dominican Summer League in his first pro season back in 2021. Then he got moved up to the Florida Complex League this year, and his stats are honestly amazing. So in 30 innings, he has a 3.60 ERA for the FCL Twins. But in those 30 innings, he's allowed 23 hits. He has struck out 38 batters and walked just four. Let me say that again. 38 strikeouts to four walks. 89% of his pitches this year in the FCL have been strikes. Either a called strike, a swinging strike, or a foul ball, or a ball in play. 89% strikes for a professional pitcher, an 18-year-old, in his second pro season, pitching in the U.S. professionally for the first time at 18, 89% strikes. That's a flyer I'm willing to take on a guy in Juan Rojas. And then the other guy is Juan Nunez. Now, he is a right-handed pitcher out of the FCL, a little bit older, 21 years old, stands at 5'11", international signing by the Twins out of the Dominican Republic, also played his first pro season in the DSL last year. And the, in the FCL this year, 29 and two-thirds innings, he has a 4.85 ERA, but in 29 and two-thirds, only 27 hits, 47 strikeouts is a huge number to just 10 walks in 29 and two-thirds innings for Nunez. So two kind of flyers on FCL young pitchers who have some really good numbers, and uh, hopefully, especially in Nunez's case, we could see both of those guys into Delmarva by the end of the year, and we'll see how they do against uh, a little better competition. But... That was the return for the Orioles. You know, they didn't get like the top key, you know, really, really great prospect. You know, nobody slots in above number 19 in their system with Povich. But it does at least seem like, you know, they went for the quantity. And, you know, if one of these guys, Rojas or Nunez hits, could turn out to be a pretty good trade for the Orioles. And uh, I've seen mixed results about what they got back. But it seems like Twins people think they may have given up a, a little too much, and, and we'll see. Hopefully these pitchers can hit for the Orioles. But coming up next, you know, the Baltimore Orioles, well, they did play a baseball game. And it continues to look like the Trey Mancini and Jorge Lopez trades so far aren't super phasing this clubhouse. Maybe they're starting to show you that they uh, they can still win. And some guys kind of proving themselves in this Oriole clubhouse. And plus, we'll go quickly to the weirdest trade the Orioles made 
on deadline day, which was acquiring Brett Phillips from the Tampa Bay Rays. We'll talk about how he could potentially fit into this Orioles team. But first, got to tell you about betonline.net, your number one place to go to for all your sports betting needs. You can find your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. Find reviews and news of every league, including, of course, Major League Baseball, but also the NFL, the NBA, the NHL, combat sports, esports, even golf every single weekend. And BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all your sports wagering info from live in-game betting, scores, and podcasts. They have you covered. So head to BetOnline today or use your mobile device to learn more about the action happening today at BetOnline.net, where the game starts. Well, the Orioles once again, down another player, did have another baseball game in Texas on Tuesday night. And they won another baseball game, securing a series win over the Texas Rangers with what I assume is going to be an 8-2 victory. Now, as I record this, there are two outs in the bottom of the ninth with the Orioles leading 8-2, but either way, it's looking like the O's are going to come away with a victory in this one. But for the Orioles, it's a series win over Texas, makes them 5-0 against the Rangers on the season, and it puts the Orioles to 53-51 on the year. They are just a game and a half back because the Rays lost to the Blue Jays 3-1 on Tuesday, just a game and a half back of that third and final wildcard spot. And I'm going to get you the five things you need to know from the Orioles' victory over the Texas Rangers on Tuesday night. And the first thing you need to know is that Jorge Mateo flashing the power in this one on Tuesday. A two-for-four day with two home runs and five RBIs for Jorge Mateo that included three hard-hit balls in which he was the offensive star in this one for the O's. It was a three-run homer to open the scoring in the third inning off of Rangers starter Spencer Howard that made it 3-0 Orioles at the time, and Mateo just took basically a hanging slider on an 0-2 pitch that I'm sure Howard did not want to throw right down the middle, but he did anyway. Mateo crushes it into left field in an inning when the Orioles just destroyed Howard. He hits it 104.3 off the bat, 408 feet for the go-ahead home run, and the Orioles would not relinquish that lead. And then he capped things off in the top of the ninth inning with a two-run homer off of Dennis Santana for a two-homer game for Mateo. And this one... Well, crushed as well, 102.9 off the bat, 382 feet also to left field for the two-run shot. Jorge Mateo's bat is giving you that out of the nine hole with the speed and the defense. The Orioles, um, yeah, going to be hard to beat this team if they're playing like this. Second thing you need to know from this one is that Taron Vavra just decided he wasn't going to get out in this game. Starting as the DH once again and hitting eighth for the Orioles, Vavra goes one for one with a single and three walks in the game against Rangers pitching. Was just so, so patient in this game, able to draw the three walks, also gets himself a single. He scores two runs in the game. I've been really impressed by Vavra's patient approach at the dish. His swing looks good. You can see why he was hitting 324 in AAA Norfolk before the call-up. And, you know, we haven't really seen any defense from him. He's really been, you know, DHing or pinch running or whatever it may be since he's been called up. But I like the approach. I think he could be a good addition to this Oriole lineup. And that was a, an impressive game from the young rookie. Third thing you need to know in this one is that Adley Rutschman just continues being awesome 
for the Orioles. A two-for-five day with two more doubles for Adley Rutschman. Gives him 22 doubles on the year. Did strike out once, also had an RBI, two runs scored. Both his doubles were his two hard-hit balls on the night. Again, hitting out of that two-hole and, frankly, just mashing the baseball. And he's had an unbelievable series so far here in Texas. Just been a doubles machine, has Adley Rutschman. The one in the third inning was scorched, 107 off the bat. The one in the fifth inning, not hit as hard, 98.6 off the bat, but still went for two bases as well. It's just fun to see him swing it like this, continues to play great defense, frame the ball, receive the ball well behind the plate. I said it on Twitter during the game on Tuesday night. Adley Rutschman has been everything he was advertised as so far early in his career and has been awesome for Orioles fans to watch. Fourth thing you need to know from this one is that Jordan Lyles sure was hungry on Tuesday night because he ate some innings for the Orioles. And we weren't sure if Jordan Lyles was going to start this game. You know, I had heard he was being shopped around a bit by the Orioles and, you know, they were waiting for a good offer, didn't get one, so decided to keep him. And he starts Tuesday night's game and, well, he continues to eat innings. One of the best starts of the year for Jordan Lyles. Six and a third innings against his old team, the Texas Rangers, allows just one run on seven hits, strikes out seven, and walks one through 110 pitches in this game and lowered his ERA to 4.40. Seven hard hit balls against him over six and a third. He did have a chance to get through seven, came back out for the seventh, got the first batter out, and then went 0-2 to Nick Solak and then threw four straight balls to walk him and then allowed a single to the nine-hitter Josh Smith, and he get taken out of the game at that point. But Dylan Tate came in, got out of the jam to keep it at just the one run for Jordan Lyles. And I mean, listen, he just he's he's eating innings for the Orioles. That's what they need him to do. And how about this number? A season high 17 whiffs for Jordan Lyles. Now, you know, he did throw 110 pitches and he did get 54 swings, but 17 whiffs is 17 whiffs and four on his four seamer four or six on the four seamer, four on the slider, four on the sinker. He got some on the change, got one on the curveball. Everything seemed to be working for Jordan Lyles in this game. And it was just fun to watch him go out there and, and, you know, be the guy and do it. Hashtag for the boys, as Jordan Lyles likes to say. And the fifth and final thing you need to know from this Orioles win over the Rangers is that Yusniel Diaz made his major league debut in this one for the O's. Now, Diaz, of course, was called up on Monday to take Trey Mancini's roster spot after Mancini was dealt to the Astros on Monday. And Diaz was not in the lineup Monday and was not in the lineup Tuesday, but with the Orioles leading 8-1 to in the top of the ninth inning, Diaz came out and pinch hit for Anthony Santander. And he did strike out in his only plate appearance facing Dennis Santana, uh, you know, Swung through a fastball on his hands, then took one down the middle, then swung and missed at a slider down and away. But, you know, more than four years after the Manny Machado trade that brought Diaz back to the Orioles from the Dodgers, he finally debuts. That makes all five guys from that trade at least did get to the big leagues and four of the five with the Orioles. But, you know, it's uh, it's been disappointing that he hasn't been here until now. It's cool to see him here. Uh, he did then go play right field defensively in the bottom of the ninth and uh, did catch a fly ball for the first out of the inning. But, you know, we will see what his role continues to be moving forward, but just happy for him that he at least did get into a big league game. But speaking of using Diaz's role as we wrap up here in this one, you know, it'll be interesting to see what his role is moving forward because the Orioles actually made one more trade on Tuesday, acquired one more outfielder as 
They acquired the outfielder Brett Phillips from the Tampa Bay Rays in exchange for cash considerations. Now, Phillips has been a terrible hitter this year, and he was DFA'd by the Rays yesterday. Orioles picking him up via the trade on cash considerations. And the question kind of becomes, what role will Phillips play on this team? You know, if the Orioles are trading for him, they're most likely planning on having him on the major league roster. They're not going to try to slip him through waivers and, and get him to AAA, I don't think. But Phillips this year for the Rays, 75 games in 208 plate appearances, hitting just 147 with a 225 on base, a 250 slugging, only five home runs. He has a 41% strikeout rate, basically striking out almost every time he goes up. A 42 WRC plus for Phillips on the season. Now, his defense has still been elite, and he's a good base runner, which means he still has a positive war on fan graphs. Despite a 42 WRC plus, still has a 0.2 war via fan graphs. So he does give you a lot as a defensive replacement or as a pinch runner, but he literally can't hit right now. He has a 4 WRC plus against lefties this year, although he does have a 92 against righties. I just don't know what to make of the move. I mean, you know, you still have on this team your whole outfield in Mullins, Hayes, and Santander. Phillips is probably an upgrade over Ryan McKenna. He would play the similar role, but are you really going to option McKenna for Brett Phillips? I mean, maybe you just send Diaz back down and Phillips takes his spot. It'll be interesting to see, but either way, Brett Phillips, one of the, you know, guys that's struggling the most in baseball, but one of the most fun players and, and a guy who loves baseball uh, is on this Orioles team coming over from the Rays. But either way, it's an Orioles win. They win it 8-2 to two over the Texas Rangers and uh, have taken the series 53-51. and 51. And on August 2nd, the Baltimore Orioles eclipsed their win total from the entire 2021 season. They went 52 and 110 last year. They are now 53 and 51. And again, just a game and a half back of a playoff spot, that third and final AL wild card. But of course, you know, this week we, we talked about the trades and the trades continue to impact the Orioles. And coming up on tomorrow's episode, we will continue to talk trades. Specifically, we're going to dive a little bit deeper into the return for Trey Mancini, the two right-handed pitchers, Seth Johnson from the Rays and Chase McDermott from the Astros. we got two guests coming up on the pod tomorrow, each to talk about each of those pitchers and what they could bring to the Orioles organization. Plus, of course, we'll recap Game 3 between the Orioles and the Rangers, and uh, we'll see if the O's can get a sweep down in Texas. But that's all coming up on tomorrow's episode. Until then... I'm Connor Newcomb, and this has been the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day.